the week of Friday, November 20th, 2009, and this is The Relevant Podcast. The Relevant Podcast is your companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando, Florida studios is our associate editor, Ryan Ham. Hello, everyone. On the Skype line from Virginia Beach, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Wellington, New Zealand, Adam Smith. Hello, everybody. Uh, We have a great podcast lined up for you this week. We have a live in-studio performance coming up from Sleeping at Last. Hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, Relevant faves, Sleeping at Last. And later, we have an interview with best-selling author Don Miller. Wow. Yeah. What a lineup. Two weeks in a row. Uh, Well, no disrespect to the people on it three weeks ago, but (laughs) yeah, I mean, we're bringing the hits. Don Miller was actually here a couple days ago. Mm -hmm. Um, He's on his tour right now. He had an event in town, so we hung out all afternoon, went to lunch. I took him to tacos. What? What's that? To tacos. I don't know what tacos... Like, just out for to tacos? To eat tacos. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I tried to take him down to Park Avenue, you mm-hmm. know? They were driving around. I couldn't find a spot. And he's like, oh, this is a really cool area. I said, yeah, I know. That's why I brought you here. There's, mm-hmm. like, really nice restaurants yeah. everywhere. And I couldn't find where to park. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. You want to go to tacos? And so we went <laughs> around the corner to PR's Taco Palace. Nice. And he's like, oh, that's a good one. Just as classy and hip. Yeah. I mean, any, a- any taco palace is the way to <laughs> woo a best-selling author. I know. I was like, I, you know, part of me is embarrassed. Part of me says, eh, this is actually where I eat. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of. It's a palace of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then he came in, uh, did an interview, and actually Josh Loveless, uh, who's on our team, is the one who does the interview with him later. Um, also, I just got a text from uh, my wife, Maya, who's home uh, with our newborn, saying, can you make the podcast fast? I'm bored and want to go do something. So <laughs> uh, apparently we got to keep this one moving. So, By all means. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. First up, your entertainment releases. See, music releases coming out on Tuesday, the 24th. We've got a few here. Susan Boyle is coming out with I Dreamed a Dream. Oh, good. You know, All been, right. <laughs> for those of you who don't the, know. The most inspirational album in history. So it's Britain's uh, Got Talent winner, yeah, Susan Boyle. The one Boyle. who brought si- Simon Cowell to tears. Yeah. Do you know she's literally the most talented and attractive person in Britain? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, let's see. Uh, Diddy is coming out with Last Train to Paris. Finally. Lady Gaga with Fame Monster. Hmm. She kind of is a fame monster. Well, I would choose a word that rhymes with schmore instead of monster, but yeah. A fame schmore? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam Lambert, uh, American Idol runner up Adam Lambert is coming out oh, with For Your Entertainment. Have you seen the co- have you seen the cover for that album? No. Oh yes, the cover. <laughs> oh, it's like a drag queen. Oh, uh, and uh, Chad through the windows holding up. He's on the cover of Details yeah. this week. 
Oh, yeah. Wow. The cover... Please tell me Chad's a subscriber. <laughs> of, of Chad's, details? Chad's not a subscriber to details. He's just a big Adam Lambert fan. <laughs> he's a he's a Glambert. <laughs> oh, is that what his fans are called? Yeah, that's what his fans are called. How did you know that? Because my ex-girlfriend made me watch American Idol last year. So that's what your t- your Glambert t-shirt means? I didn't even I didn't yeah, know what that's, that meant. Yeah, that's what it means. Okay. So it's, it's sparkly because I like it that right. way, though. Yeah. Um, okay, Lil Wayne's coming out with Rebirth. Oh, I thought that came out. I've, I feel like I've atrocious. read that like 12 times by now. They finally, I mean, it's finally like been announced and it's going to be awful. Of course it will be. Is this his rock album? Yeah, this is his rock album. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Memphis Bleak with the Process E2. Rihanna with Rated R. Ooh. Inappropriate. Inappropriate. Uh, Shakira with She Wolf. Uh, Appropriate. Timbaland with Shock Value 2. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> And uh, a live album from Tom Waits called Glitter and Doom. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the uh, Yes! <laughs> I was waiting for something from Adam. I, I was expecting that same response from the Adam Lambert album, though. <laughs> I've, I've already gone to his site and downloaded the 8-track preview. There's an 8-track preview? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also to Tom Waits' site. Yes, there's an 8-track preview. Wow. Um, and the... The album is uh, particularly interesting because it's two discs. The first one is, uh, you know, a live show kind of cobbled together from his his Glitter and Doom tour, and the second disc is just him his bizarre comedic ramblings. <laughs> wow. When when you mean comedic, do you mean uh, dark and deeply, deeply disturbing? Um, actually, you know, I, Tom Waits' ramblings tend to be very. Uh, not, I wouldn't call them disturbing, just bizarre and funny. Does he still growl and stomp the floor as he rambles? Uh, he does that as he sings. Oh, okay, <laughs> just but not but not while he tells jokes. All right, listen. Why don't we just for our listeners' sake? Why don't we just play a little clip of Tom Waits' new live album? Yep. Here, here's a taste. Now as I take out the clouds in my hanging, as I swing out. So there's a taste of Tom. It's a little salty. Mm-hmm. A little um, tastes like it tastes like old nicotine. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll agree that this this is pretty much going to be like a Steve Martin album. <laughs> Uh, let's see. That's it for uh, music uh, coming out in theaters. We got a few movies here. Some real highbrow Oscar season type stuff. We've got Excellent. Old Dogs, ooh, starring uh, John Travolta, Robin Williams, and Seth Green. Where was I reading? I was reading a description. I think at Entertainment Weekly, and they said this is the movie your dad will love. Oh no! And I was like, that means I won't. Yeah, uh, I don't know what this one's about, but it's called this obscure Ninja Assassin. I've I've seen oh, the previews. That's by the Matrix. Uh, I know. I'm brothers. kidding. I'm, I'm kidding that I don't know what it's about. It's called Ninja Assassin. I mean, how do you? How could you not know what it's about? Yeah, it's the Matrix guys. Yeah, right? yeah. We got the Road, uh, which is uh, Oscar. It actually is yeah, an Oscar worthy yeah. one. That's, that one's coming out to much critical claim. Are we gonna uh, review that one on yeah, our website? Yeah, that'll be the okay. Review. Cool. Well, here's a bit of the trailer for the Road. people do you think are still alive? In the world, not very many. 
That boy looks hungry. Why don't y'all come on the truck? You look at him again, I'll shoot you in the head. I don't think you killed a man in your life. They're gonna catch up with us, and they're going to kill us. I told you I would do whatever it takes. Like what? Kill anyone who touches you, because that's my job. It's starring Viggo Mortensen. Uh, it's directed by John Hillcoat. Oh, and you might want to check local listings because it might not come out in your area until Wednesday, the 25th. That is correct. The wide release is on November 25th. Yeah. In fact, the wide release for all of these is is Wednesday, the 25th, right. not, not Friday. So, I mean, if you really hate Thanksgiving and or your family, movie day. Well, that's it's one of the biggest movie <laughs> days of the year. Yeah. That's why they're open. I guess so. For people who have... Uh, broken relationships. Oh, that makes me sad. <laughs> For estranged family members. I enjoy eating copious amounts of turkey and sleeping on a chair. Well, you can eat copious... Well, you can do that at the movie theater. But I don't want to sleep while I watch. I want to sleep while I watch football, not a movie. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, well, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, Sleeping at Last. Now I- On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me this relevant web promo to read. It's Relevant's Twelve Days of Christmas. Sign up today at relevantmagazine.com slash twelve and we'll send you twelve exclusive offers, freebies, and discounts on stuff that you'll want this Christmas. You can save up to eighty percent on apparel, fair trade gifts, books, and more. And go to relevantmagazine.com slash the number twelve. You're listening to Sherwood. The song is Maybe This Time. If you're saying, hmm, that sounds familiar. Well, it's because Sherwood played live on our podcast last week. Uh, the reason why we're playing this song uh, you know, this week is that the video for Maybe This Time is actually playing right now on Relevant TV. That's called Synergy. You also can get a free download of this song on last week's podcast episode page over at our website. And, and, and if you remember, we featured the live unplugged version of this song last week here mm-hmm. on the podcast. Um, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Manchester Orchestra with Shake It Out. Uh, that video is also playing on Relevant.TV right now. Um, it's from their brand new album, or their current album, Mean Everything to Nothing. They're going to be touring throughout December and a few dates in January. You can get them at themanchesterorchestra.com. They're also staff favorites. And you should really check the video out because the entire thing is an, is an homage to Sylvester Stallone's classic film, Over the Top. Is it really? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Like I saw it, and it was a, there was a truck and a kid dressed in a military uniform, and I was like, "That's got to be over the top." And then they started arm wrestling, and it, my dreams were come true. All right, well, sleeping at last came through the studios here recently and um, performed a few songs for us. Their new album is Storyboards. It's available now. We actually had it on the drop over at our website for a long time. You could stream the whole thing. They've they've toured with Zwan, Switchfoot, Yellow Card, something corporate, the format. They scored the sublime single Say, which shot straight to the top of Fuse TV's Oven Fresh, leading to the band's encore appearance on the network's uh, program IMX. 
Uh, they, they've had songs on Grey's Anatomy. Um, they visited the studio while on tour with Jeremy Larson, who recently played on the podcast as well. I mm-hmm. think they came in on the same day, actually, and performed three songs. The podcast episode page will feature the one additional song we're going to play, too, here on the podcast today. You can check them out at sleepingatlast.com. Here is Sleeping At Last performing their song, Unmade. When we were young Our words were innocent Whiter than snow Awkward and slow Now when we speak It's not enough now to rear out our flames. I believe that we've got it wrong, got it wrong. Realize when it's said and done, said and was sleeping at last you can check them out at myspace.com slash sleeping at last up next slices 
$7.50 can get you a lot of things. Movie tickets, maybe a half pound of coffee, glass of wine, used book, maybe a pizza. But did you know that you could give a relevant subscription this Christmas for as little as $7.50? That's right. Get started early. Relevantmagazine.com slash Christmas. You're listening to Modest Mouse. The song is Whale Song. The video is playing right now on Relevant TV. Now, I thought Whale Song was that Heath Ledger animated one. The one that he... I think that one was just about whales. About whaling. Yeah. But this is a different song altogether. Okay. I am I am getting confirmation. They have a lot of whaling in Apparently their music. So. <laughs> All right. Now, it's time for Slices. Uh, take away, Jesse. All right. Well, who among us has not been in this scenario? Um, police found a 25-year-old man... Uh, who was trying to flee – this has happened in Seattle um, – who was trying to flee a, a little scuffle at a neighborhood pub. And uh, he was uh, impaled uncomfortably on a five-foot fence. Uh, he told police that he believed he was a ninja and that a ninja could jump this fence. Obviously, it did not work. Uh, a police quote was, clearly he was overconfident – in his abilities. The great thing about this story, if you want to look for it, I'm sure if you put Ninja Impaled on Metal Fence, you can find it. They have one of those little Google Map uh, apps that you can plug in. And for some reason, they have like the map with like the little uh, thumbtack. So you can actually visit the exact location of the metal fence where this ninja got stuck. So I, I, I plan on making a trip to Seattle. Yeah, is there a street view? unfortunately there's no street view but i think putting the map up there is like a challenge to other ninjas you know like oh one of your brethren didn't make it why don't you come out here and try it what's the worst that could happen i'm assuming that the america the american ninjaical society will be erecting a memorial plaque at that spot as well the ans as it were Yes, Jesse, I think my favorite part of that whole story is how you made sure to say that he was impaled uncomfortably. (laughs) (laughs) As if if there's some sort of way to be... You know, I'm impaled right now, but I'm surprisingly comfortable. (laughs) This feels pretty good. I wanted to read the story first to make sure the guy didn't die or something, because I felt really bad making light of it. But it couldn't have ended any more humorously. Well, I, I guess not for the guy, but in, this is literally, I'm going to read the story. Wait, he didn't die? No, no. Impaling <laughs> does not lead to death to me. Well, well, let, let me read a quote from the story. Um, the police found him stuck on the fence with a metal spike jutting out from his buttock. The man, <laughs> the, in the next, this is the next sentence. The man was bleeding profusely. <laughs> but uh, he was well enough to go to the hospital and explain to the officers that uh, he was a ninja. So uh, I'm assuming everything ended up okay and hilarious in the end. Yes. If, what if a story to careful, tell. Though. The ANS is going to take his card. <laughs> or, his, or his stars, as the case may be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah someone just yeah, lost his ninja stars. All right, next. 
Okay, so uh, this just goes to show you what a wonderful country I live in and, and where our uh, priorities are. A New Zealand team is set to mount a rescue ex- expedition to the, uh, the Antarctic, right? And they're going to be drilling through the Antarctic ice in search of some, some very precious, valuable artifacts left there long ago. It's uh, a couple crates of scotch abandoned by uh, Sir Ernest Shackleton during his, uh, his failed 1909 expedition to the South Pole. Right, so evidently they uh, they left these sketch reserves under their huts floorboards, and they have become so frozen, like frozen so deeply in the ice that they're going to have to drill for them to dislodge them. Now, the company that owns the uh, the Scotch brand said that they're actually going to try and get a sample of it and try to recreate that Scotch. But man, you're not going to get a, a colder, smoother scotch than one that's been buried <laughs> under the South Pole for a hundred years. Is it, isn't this exactly the same as like a, a commercial for like a like a scotch brand right now? Has anyone seen that? Oh, the the Jameson one where he yeah, has to yeah, where Jameson goes to the depths of the oceans to reclaim the barrel that oh yeah, that's the right. Ship. Yeah, yeah. It's honestly, it's like a marketing firm wrote this story. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I I remember reading the story, and to me, the entire like the most discouraging thing was that apparently there's some law that says you can't take anything that you get out of the ice. So they're having to fight to get a single bottle. Really? Yeah. Uh, why don't they just hang out there and drink it? Well, because <laughs> apparently you're not allowed to disturb the ecosystem. This- well, just climb down into the hole and suck it from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> no, the drill is actually one massive straw. This is how Adam yeah. admits he has a problem. <laughs> yeah, the, the depths he's willing to go to, quite literally. Actually, he has something similar in his backyard, a big hole he just crawls down to to, to drink scotch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I accidentally hit a natural scotch vein the other day when I was thinking. <laughs> Uh, all right, that'll do it for slices. Up next, Don Miller. Well, as if the relevant store wasn't great enough already, now you can get free shipping. This week only at relevantstore.com, you can get free shipping for orders over $25. Now, sorry, this is domestic orders only, and you got to hurry because this offer ends Sunday, November 29th. Visit relevantstore.com and use the code GOBBLE. That's right, relevantstore.com. Use the code GOBBLE. You're listening to Derek Webb. The song is What Matters More. The video is playing right now over at relevant.tv. It's, it's a simple video. The song where he says a bad word. Uh, a couple of them, yeah, actually. Scandalous. And guess what? We muted it. Really? We muted the bad words because... Double standard. In other music, we mute any profanity for relevant TV. I mean, just because Derek's a professing Christian, we muted it. Yeah. So, 
Uh, it's called What Matters More. Uh, Derek Webb uh, did this album with Josh Moore, who is who is part of our Snub Watch 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually follow Josh Moore on Twitter. He does not follow me back, just so you know. That is another just salt in the wound. I'm just saying. All right. Um, He's had his chance. His day is coming. Day <laughs> of reckoning. By the way, you're wondering who this Josh Moore guy is. He's the guy who who looks like Rick Rubin. And if you don't believe me that he looks like Rick Rubin, go to Relevant.tv and watch What Matters More because Josh Moore slash Rick Rubin appears in the video mm. and he looks like Rick Rubin. What if it is Rick Rubin? Well, then that's even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So go check that out, Relevant TV. Uh, recently, Don Miller came by. I guess it was last Friday. Came by the uh, Relevant Studios. He has a new book out that he's um, on a speaking tour um, talking about. It's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. I'll read the bio. Full of beautiful, heart-wrenching, and hilarious stories, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years details one man's opportunity to edit his life as if he were a character in a movie. Years after writing a best-selling memoir, Don Miller went into a funk and spent months sleeping in and avoiding his publisher. Been there. Uh, one story had ended and Don was unsure how to start another but he gets rescued by two movie producers who want to make a movie based on his memoir when they start fictionalizing Don's life for film changing a a meandering memoir into a structured narrative the real life Don starts a journey to edit his actual life into a better story A Million Miles in a Thousand Years details that journey and challenges readers to reconsider what they strive for in life it shows how to get a second chance at life the first time around um, Don's written uh, seminal books like Blue Like Jazz, uh, Tone of Dragon, Searching for God Knows What, mm-hmm. and others. Uh, he actually recently founded uh, The Mentoring Project um, out in Portland. It's, it's a, uh, a very interesting, um, you know, he, he grew up without a father. His dad had left. Mm-hmm. And so he is working with churches and other groups to intentionally mentor um, boys in the Portland area. And uh, actually has plans to roll it out nationwide, working mm. with churches around the country to mentor uh, boys in their area. Cool. He recently rode his bike across America from L.A. to D.C. I guess that was two years ago. And uh, he's on President Obama's task force on fatherhood and healthy families. You also may remember that Don uh, gave the opening prayer at the DNC one oh, of the yeah, nights. That's right. And that's because I put him up for the opportunity because I backed out. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Our stories yeah, overlap very distinctly. I was invited to do that. I said yes, had second thoughts, <laughs> pulled out and said, I'll help you find somebody. And uh, called two people. One of them was Don Miller, who said absolutely, and he was there a week later. And the other person was Ron Paul. The other person was Josh <laughs> Morris. It was actually Rick Rubin. <laughs> Still haven't heard back. Still, he's, he's now on Snubwatch too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Josh Loveless uh, spoke to Don when he was in the studio. Uh, here is part one of that interview. It was so good and so substantial, so long that we're going to actually run part two on the podcast next week. Also, if you stay tuned, there's a contest uh, uh, of how you can get a signed one of uh, Don Miller's signed books later in this podcast. So stay tuned for that. Without any further ado, here's Josh Loveless talking to Don Miller. Don, welcome to Orlando during winter. <laughs> I'm in shorts and flip flops. I, I think it's but down you guys to 70. are all wearing hoodies. It's freezing. Which is hilarious. It's 70 degrees outside. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. We're obviously going to spend some time uh, talking a little bit uh, about your new book as well as a few other things. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you about is you you seem to play the role 
of the lovable loser in the Christian world because of the self-deprecating way that you've written about yourself. But now you're a New York Times bestseller. Uh, you've sold around a million and a half books, so we know you're not starving. And and you continue to be one of the most influential voices in the Christian community. One can only assume that you're the cool kid now, right? Does it feel that way? <laughs> no. It doesn't. <laughs> never felt that way. Oh, my... Uh... My friend says I'm I'm king of the chess club. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more like it. Is that what the the, the king well, of in the Portland, Christian community means? Yeah, in Portland, there's no social commodity to be gained by being a Christian. I mean, if you go to church, you're you're not you're not with it. And so, in that sense, I mean, there is this sort of like you're giving up a little bit of your fashion, whatever, by uh, by attending church. So. To come into and literally, you leave Portland, you come into the southeast or you know the Bible Belt and other parts of the country too, and lots of people show up to hear you speak or something like that, and it's really this weird experience. And so, it's not where I live. That's not where I live. People don't know who I am in, in Portland, you know, and, and that's where I'm at ninety nine percent of the time. Right. So um, there's something kind of strange about about that. Um, so you don't feel like you have you've you've gone from being you know underground and now you're mainstream and and more liked than you were growing up as a kid. Oh no, I feel that. I mean, just a couple days ago I was I did a thing in Houston, which is where I grew up, and all my high school friends, there were about six of us, went out after the show and hung out and um just I mean, awesome memories of like growing up. But I was definitely like that wasn't like I was definitely the fat kid who didn't have a lot of friends. You yeah. know, the only people like me were... Well, I mean, everybody kind of liked me, but sure. you were never... You know, I was on the outside. Yeah. And so that sort of came into my identity. And it takes a long time when you have that kind of childhood. It takes a long time, no matter how successful you are, or how popular you get, to no longer identify as that guy. You know, because that's mm. it's a foundational point in life. So, yeah. but I I don't think when I sit down to write, I'm trying to position myself as the lovable loser. I'm just being honest. Sure. It's not like a, hey, if I can position myself this way or, or if yeah. I say this, people will think this. Right, right. Um, and then the other thing is you can't go in and say, you can't go in your book and say, I've won an award or, you know, I've got this much money or I'm a New York Everybody would just hate you. So yeah. you, yeah. what are your choices? You know, sure, <laughs> you, know, you sure. can't. And, uh, and so... You know, I know with the new book, like critics are saying, a lot more confidence, a lot more, uh, you know, a lot more maturity and things like that. So hopefully, some of that is actually you just grow out of it naturally. To me, reading a Donald Miller book is is a bit like going to an air show. Uh, though the pilots have done this a million times, you still get sweaty armpits when they turn off the engine and go into some sort of tailspin. Uh, in your case, you appear to be troubled until the end of each of your books in some way. How much of that is, is your style of writing versus the reality of, of what your life is like when you write the book from start to finish? Well, I write books after I've dealt with an issue. So, you know, I wrote a book about growing up without a dad and really processed that stuff, did some counseling, went through it, and then actually retold the story looking back. And so I'm telling it from a position of strength, but you're going back into those moments of weakness or right. scary moments or something. Right. And um, and so, but there's also a narrative structure when you're writing that helps 
a, a human brain engage sure. uh, a story, and so sure. you're obeying those principles as a way of serving yeah. the audience. You know, yeah. it's um, it's not necessarily being inauthentic as much as it is putting together a good paragraph. Yeah, you know, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and so I think um, I think it's an it's part narrative structure, part that's the way hopefully our lives work, that we are actually becoming better people and growing up and becoming more mature and. Those are the writers that we should be reading, and um, and uh, it it seems to work. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to write um, another mem another mem. I've never written a memoir, but I write in a memoir voice, and sure. I don't know that I'm going to do that for sure. a while. Yeah, it seems like that's a that's a something I've covered. <laughs> Your life for <laughs> well, now. I mean, right? I, I, I have I've never really written about my life. I mean, if I wrote a memoir, it would be very different than anything I've ever written because huh. I'm writing about topics, but I'm writing about them from a personal perspective. So rather than saying what is the gospel of Jesus? I'm actually saying, what does it feel like to experience the gospel of Jesus as a human being? And right. that's going to sound like a memoir. Sure. Um, but to me, it's a much more accessible kind of writing. I mean, people, uh, I, if I read a book and a guy is preaching to me, I, I usually can't get more than 10 or 15 pages in. Right. But as soon as he says, you know, my wife and I were really close to divorce on this day, now I'm going, okay. Now this is where your your whatever principles you're trying to teach actually hit the sure. road. Like, sure. how does this work in your real life? And yeah. and so I've always just kind of usually I'll write a skeleton. I'll write sort of a preachy book, and then I'll go back and I'll rewrite it from a very personal perspective with more narrative, more story, with all narrative and yeah. all, almost all story. Yeah. I heard you recently uh, describe that after achieving some of the success that you did with Blue Like Jazz, you woke up one morning and realized that you had somehow accomplished what you set out to do and you didn't have an ambition anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you just create new ambitions for this season of life or did something else drive you with this project? There was a season where um, after Blue Like Jazz took off, I uh, had, you know, it was like. I got the thing that I'd wanted for a long time. And what I realized when I got it was that it didn't deliver what I thought it was going to deliver. I thought it would make everything great and I'd be able to talk to animals and all this kind of stuff. And then none of that, none of that happened. And so you sit down and you try to keep writing and you're just like, why am I doing this? You know, I mean, it's not going to, it's not the act three climax of life. So why am I doing it? And didn't really have an answer to that question. And that's one of the reasons it's been, what, three or four years since I released a book uh, or at least a major book. And, um, had these screenwriters come to town and say, we want to make a movie out of the book you've written, Blue Like Jazz. And I thought, well, you know, it'll pay some bills and it'll get me, it'll, it'll keep me from having to write another book, which the publisher is yelling at me to write a book. Right. And uh, so I wrote the screenplay and I learned all these principles of story, these elements of that make up a good uh, story also make up a good life. And I, and I was able to sort of say, what if I tried to live an interesting story and see if it fixes this, whatever this is that's happening to me, this sense of futility. And it did. And, you know, the principles of the story are a character that wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. So I was a character. I just needed to want something. So I started the mentoring project and I, um, you know, found my dad after not seeing him for 30 years. And I rode a bike across America. And I did, I just did things, you know, mm. for a good cause. Not writing a book the whole time, running out of money. And, uh, and, but just needed to jumpstart life, and um, it worked. 
And so Million Miles in a Thousand Years is about is about that experience of being able to kind of rewrite your life in actual flesh and blood, not in pit with a pen. But do you really think about the characteristics of story now when you encounter conflict and tension and fear in your real life? Like, do you ask, what would Donald Miller, the movie character, do? Mm, Does that really happen, or is it's this... It's not quite like that. I mean, okay. once, you un- once you understand how narrative works, you, you no longer think of story as a source of entertainment or as a novel or as a movie. You literally think of it as life. Right. Like, life is a story. So you and I are telling stories. They may suck, yeah. but we're telling stories. Yeah. And what we're telling stories about mostly is about the things that we want. So you go through your bank account, and those are the things that you've told stories about. You told right. a story about getting a car or getting a house or getting a room of vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And if you were to go to a movie and watch a movie about a guy who wanted a car or a house or a room of vacuum cleaner, it may, it's probably going to be a boring movie. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was realized I was just telling stupid stories, and I needed to tell better stories. So, and when it comes to conflict, especially, um, I think of narrative because because if um, if you have a beautiful story, it has to have conflict in it. It has to. If it doesn't have conflict, it can't be a good story. Right. It has to be extremely hard. So the character has to experience emotions that he does not want to experience in order for the story to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we've lost touch with that. When we're, we are a conflict-avoiding culture. And one of the things I love about our source text as Christians, the Bible, is that it teaches us not to avoid conflict. It actually right. teaches us to jump into really meaningful stories. It also teaches us that conflict uh, existed before the fall of man, that in paradise there was conflict. Yeah. That it's, not a, it's, not, it's not wrong. Yeah. You know, God wants there to be conflict in your life. And that's... Sure. Most churches don't teach you that. How different is uh, the story that you tell with your life um, from when you're writing, in a season of writing, and when you're not writing? Um, how different is your life when, when you're a writer to when you kind of have that switch turned off and now you're approaching new projects and, and different things? It's really different. Um, when I when I took a break from writing and I did all this stuff, started the the mentoring project and then uh, and rode my bike cross country. Life slowed way down. I mean, that year felt like five years because I was living so much. And when you sit down to write a book, life speeds up because you're not really living. I mean, you're sitting in front of a computer, typing words onto a screen. Yeah. And there's not a lot of action happening. It's all happening in your imagination or it's happening in the, in the book itself. And so um, a year writing a book feels like three months. And a year actually plugging into the mentoring project, doing all this kind of stuff, feels like a really long extended thing that's just filled with richness, you know. And it's not that I don't like writing books. I love sitting down to write books. But if a documentary film camera followed a guy around who was trying to write a book, it would be the most boring documentary in the history of the world because yeah. you can't get inside that dude's head. Yeah. You're going to sit there and cameras are going to be pointing at him. He's going to be sitting in his boxer yeah. shorts typing yeah. into a computer. It's just a stupid yeah. – <laughs> it's just nothing there. Sure. And so uh, – um, but now I've switched over. I've written this book and I'm about to start – You know, I'm going I'm to be writing for a while and, and, uh, and try to squeeze some life in there. So do you feel like your identity – and again, in a – your outer identity will be less writer moving forward and more about that other aspect of your life with these the mentoring project, which we'll talk about in a minute, and some of the other things that you want to do? I don't know. 
And I try not to think about it because you can really drive yourself crazy saying, how are people seeing me rather than who am I? But when you view yourself, you talk about, and you've talked about before, you, you grew up wanting to be a writer yeah, and now you're that. And so now do you feel bored in a sense looking for some of these other even roles to play with your life? No, okay. no, I don't feel bored now. I mean, I feel... Like I'm spinning a, a thousand plates, sure, which sure, is, which I love. But bored with the not even bored with the writing, but but you're ready to 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 try new things. Is, I think is what I'm trying to say beyond writing. Yeah, I mean we've got you know there are projects that I'm involved in. I mean when I die, I want to have shut down 15 percent of the prisons in America because the church mentored the fatherless generation, mm. um, and I I have to keep writing books, and it's, it's an integral part of that whole vision is yeah. to sort of give myself a platform with which I can actually say to people, will you support this organization and will you mentor kids? And um, so that's that's a part of it. The writing is a part of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, if Lance Armstrong didn't ride a bike, would Livestrong be successful if, you know, yeah. you know, go on down the list, if Bono didn't sing yeah. songs, you know, yeah. those sorts of things. So I, you know, that's just a part of the, the journey. And, and um, but I... You know, if somebody handed me 10 million bucks, I probably would never write another book again. Hmm. I'd probably just do the mentoring project. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, the only way I'd write a book is if it, if I realized nobody was listening to me anymore. And you have to have that social commodity in order to start in order to move people. So then I would But probably... if you wanted to raise 10 million dollars, uh-huh. you could raise that in 12 months. No, oh, man, I've been trying to raise money for Donald, the mentoring. You Listen. have you have those connections. No, people... I mean, that's a strong statement to make. Well, I mean, if you, I'll give you my phone number. You can have them call me because <laughs> we're, we're certainly trying. Um, and uh, but yeah, I probably I, I would do much less writing. Hmm. I mean, uh, the, the you know what we're doing works. Sure, and it, it's great for our country, and it's great to it, you know. I just met with fifty pastors in Tyler, Texas, from all different denominations, Catholic. I mean, all over the board. These churches want to get together and mentor the fatherless kids in their town, and. Um, you know, that's the sort of vision we want to take all the way across the country. And I could do that. I just get so much life from that. You know, I could do that. Now, you know, maybe I, I, I uh, Bart Campolo once said that he said so, so, to somebody who was on vacation and his dad was with him. And the guy asked, like, how did you get your dad to sit still for a week mm-hmm. and go on vacation? Because, you know, Tony travels a lot. Yeah, yeah. He said, "Oh, it's easy. We just the family just gathers around the breakfast table every morning and we clap for him, and he stays. <laughs> he stays <laughs> oh, another day. <laughs> Sometimes oh, I identify with that, yeah. a little bit. You know, yeah. you just like going, does everybody like me still? Am I? Can, is that a good paragraph? You know, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So maybe I'd miss that, but uh, yeah, I'd probably I'd, I wouldn't write as many books if I could if I could afford to do it. Yeah. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a statement." All the stories that you tell in all of your books, um, and and the theme of this one about story. What's interesting is it feels like we as readers approach your books thinking Don lives a very interesting life. Even before you write this book, Don always has a story. Don is always encountering something uh, significant and meaningful. And why don't I have stories like Don? But what's interesting is you write this book about. Wait, I I don't have the stories you know, like Bob. Uh, And so it it feels as though there's this, I don't know, some ladder of story 
that that all of us are trying to climb to go how can i how can i have a more interesting life yeah do you feel that way i mean do you feel like there's people out there that are going i wow don's got interesting stories i need to have interesting stories so is are we being inspired by one another is there or is there a competitive yeah, kind of thing yeah is there a competitive yeah. kind of thing going wait they're vacationing in the south of france i i need to do something yeah i hope it never gets to that because great stories are really told with the heart right. not with one-upping the Joneses, you know? Yeah. And uh, Bob, to me, is such an inspirational guy that I, I chose to tell some of his stories because they're just stand out. You know, nobody's ever going to tell stories like this guy that I write about in the book. Yeah. And um, uh, But, you know, people, if it becomes this sort of social trend where everybody's sort of going, well, what's his story about? What's my story? My story needs to be better. Yeah. You just totally missed the point. Sure. You know? Yeah. And, um, like, for me, for example, you know, I'm not looking for a whole lot more adventure. You know, I rode my bike across America and done some great stuff. And I'd like to tell a story that's really just about a group of friends living in Portland who really care about each other. Like, to me, that's where my heart is going. Yeah. And that was an interesting way that you obviously finished the book intentionally saying, you know, I'm going to have a glass of wine and I want to walk my dog and I want to go to some meetings. I want to keep writing a little bit and want to work on the mentoring project and and so I think it, it was a, almost a surprise ending for some people, expecting that you'd finish really challenging. Saying that I'm going to go climb Everest or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. No. Every year I'm taking some grand epic trip and, you know, follow me. No. And I, I intentionally ended the book on that note so that people would not feel that uh, a, a grand, great story is something they're incapable of. Hmm. It's not true. I mean, great stories are told with the heart. And I personally like movies that are more, you know, Juno-esque than I do Born Identity. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, those movies are just as fulfilling to me. So it doesn't take a lot of money to live a great life. It doesn't, you know, none of that is really required. But it takes some intentional, uh, you know, willpower to actually will yourself into a, a, a good story. That's the trouble of flying up. Here's your risk and I'll fall back down. But if you don't even try your wings, do you really have anything? You're listening to Orba Squara. The song is The Trouble With Flying. The, the video is playing right now on Relevant TV. Orba Square actually has some really cool, interesting videos. Uh, they recently did a cover of Lady Gaga's Poker Face, which you can hear on, the, uh, on, on, on their MySpace page, which is myspace.com slash Orba Square, O-R-B-A-S-Q-U-A-R-A. Their current album is The Trouble With Flying. Go check it out. It's good stuff. Um. Sleeping at Last was recently in our studios. Uh, their current album is Storyboards. It's available now nationwide. You can uh, find out more, find out tour dates, and everything about them at sleepingatlast.com. Here they are performing Naive from their new record.
was Sleeping At Last. The new album is Storyboards. You can check them out at sleepingatlast.com. listening to Vampire Weekend. The song is Horchata. I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but I mm. like saying it like that. Horchata is delicious, I, too. I think I think it's gordita. <laughs> <laughs> For someone that frequents the Taco Palace, I think you should have a <laughs> uh, This is the first track from their upcoming album, Contra. 
which is scheduled to release January 12th. They actually, I, I, uh, you can download this song for free at vampireweekend.com, by the way. It's mm. Horchata. And, um, and I think I the just, album's Chalupa, not Contra. <laughs> <laughs> and I just read a, uh, an, an article about them that was very uh, enlight- enlightening and mm-hmm. interesting. And it just so happens that our, that article is appearing in the January issue of Relevant Magazine. Look at that. We had an interview in a feature. How's that for coincidence? <laughs> coincidence. And I literally read it last night. It's a quinky dink. We go to print on Monday. It's a busy week for us here. Yeah. And, that and that the, is an unbiased review of a magazine feature. <laughs> <laughs> it was true. excellent. It was the best article that's ever been written about Vampire Weekend. Okay, listen. I actually... Okay, listen to this. Okay, this is... I. You know, they got me all the content. And I decided to read the whole issue front to back. Okay. Here's who's in the January issue of Relevant. Zach Levi, who's NBC's Chuck. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're at his house. We do a photo shoot around his house with him. We tell this amazing story of his life. He, I mean, he like has a house church there. It's an amazing story. Okay. So Chuck. And we got Vampire Weekend. Mm-hmm. We have Don Miller. Hmm. Synergy. We have Don, a feature on Don Miller. Fascinating feature on Don Miller. We have Owl City. We have New Year's Resolutions uh, by Jason Boyette. It's hilarious. We have a uh, retrospective of, of uh, 09. Mm-hmm. And then we have a 14-page special section where we um, talk to experts and we predict what the world will look like in 2020. Because this is the first um, you know, month of an, 2010. Right. So we thought, let's fast forward. Let's, let's not look at 2010. Let's look at 2020. So we've, it's a 14-page section. We break it into like science, culture, faith, um, technology, Politics. Politics. And we talked to all these experts in these various areas. It is the most fascinating information to like say, this is what the world may look like in 2020. This is the path we're on. Kind of, so then how should we live today? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's fascinating. Can we, can we do an audio version of that where we, where we you know, <laughs> each go, in the year 2000? <laughs> but I mean, you got Don Miller, you have yeah. Zach Levi, you have Empire Weekend, you have, I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. Al City. And also the, the 2020 article like and this is taking nothing away from any any other issue but it is the most beautiful piece i've ever seen uh, as far as design yeah absolutely yeah by and like i mean and when i say that like not just in our magazine like it might be the most beautiful piece i've ever seen in a magazine it's it's taken a month to design it and i would yeah. just say that and we usually take like a day or something to do a story i we we commissioned one of our our, our guys to spend a month designing this section it's amazing yeah it's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay, so then March is our anniversary issue. It's always our biggest of the year, It's and we're doing another double cover. Last year, we did Mickey Rourke on one side and Q-Tip on the other. Mm-hmm. We're doing the same thing again, not those two people, though. Right. Right. So we have two heavy hitters, and I can't... Because one of them is not in cement yet, mm-hmm. I, I can't... Ryan, Ryan is advising me to not say it, <laughs> but I can say who's on the May cover, because who's, that is in cement. Who's that? That happened. Bear Grylls for Man vs. Wild is going to be... Finally! Our, Are gonna, you serious? Oh, well, be that's our, awesome. Yeah. He's, we've done the interview. It was in person. He was here in Orlando. And, uh, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So we're pretty excited about the covers that we've... And then we just had, currently, the new one is Switchfoot. Mm-hmm. And then we just had Wilco. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what's funny is I'm listing these, remembering editorial meetings that Adam was in, trying <laughs> to get Bear Grylls, Wilco, you know... Um, so anyway, it's they're finally happening years later. Some of those things, they're just a long time in developing. Yeah, right. You know? Right. It's true. But it's exciting. I mean, it's the January issue is jam-packed. Yeah. yeah I'm excited about it. Okay. Um, 
It's time for your feedback. That's this segment. We're in the feedback segment. And uh, last week, we asked you an, an, uh, an unusual question of the week. We said, you ask us the questions. You know, we're tired of asking you. We don't care what you have to say anymore. You should care about what we have to say. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk about ourselves. <laughs> so, so you went over to the podcast episode page and you posted questions for the crew. And uh, we have a few of them in front of us and we'll answer the ones that are not inappropriate. Okay. Kiki Pounds says, uh, I think it's Pounds. It's Kiki. I mean, I assume it's Kiki Pounds. Who's yeah, how many Kikis can there be? Long time it's got to be Kiki Pounds. Got a, got a multi-part question here. It's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure based on what the answer is. There's, there's a follow-up question. I've been, I've been good. waiting for this one. All right, Adam, I'm trying to get out of Alabama and, and feeling out my options. So You know, there are roads. You, I mean... You start walking now, you get out of Alabama anyway. There's at least one out of Alabama. (laughs) So, I mean, it's dirt for most of it, but we're good after. Although it might just be in a circle. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's dirt, and then there's one of those really sketchy rope bridges. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you get into Mississippi. (laughs) Yeah. It's somehow in the middle of the border. It's called I-65. And out of nowhere, in the flatlands of the southeast, on the border of Alabama, Mississippi, is a massive ravine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and they, they guarantee you that while you're walking across, your foot will fall through one plank. <laughs> <laughs> and for for some reason, it's filled with crocodiles. <laughs> anyway, so Kiki's trying to get out of Alabama. It's been hard. So says to Adam, I was wondering if it's fairly easy to find a significant other in New Zealand. I mean, Adam's well, had success. No. Yeah, I I had great success and let me say that since, you know, since my wedding, right after my wife and I started dating, another couple of our friends started dating and have since gotten married. Uh then another couple of our friends started dating and are getting married this Saturday. Um and there have been about four or five more serious couplings since then. So it oh. seems right now seems to be the time to come to Wellington and find your spouse. It's wow. like it's like New Zealand is a giant Christian college. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's a follow up question, Cameron. If Adam's answer is negative, which it's not, but can I live in your house for a couple of months? I'm pretty good at babysitting, or I don't mind interning at Relevant. Do you have anything a biology major could do? Um, there are a lot of dissections that we've, you know, usually just given to the marketing. Sh- we can't talk about those. That's true. <laughs> those <laughs> autopsies and stuff. Um, yeah. How, how do you think we researched the 2020 piece? <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fact checking went on. Um, what happens to the liver when you keep it in Kool Aid for a week? <laughs> <laughs> Over the years, I we actually have had a number of interns uh, live with us. I mean, and, this is and, what we do. And staff members. And, and new staff members moving yeah. in. Yeah, like, sure. Like moving into the town. Yeah. I had an intern sleep on my couch for about a month and a half. Can you tell the story, the, 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 the drawing story, just an abbreviated version oh, of that? Oh, yeah. When I, I had uh, an intern who was uh, living with me and another intern who uh, who would come over all the time. Uh, and and you mind you, it's about 150 degrees in Orlando. Yeah. Well, I come in the house one day, and from the uh, you know from the entry, you could see into the bedroom. And uh, <laughs> one of the interns is splayed across the bed, bare chested, in a pair of tiny shorts. A man. And the other a intern is sketching. Yeah, yeah. These are male. both men. Both okay. male. Okay. The other intern is sketching in a big sketch pad. <laughs> now, it turned out that he was 
he was a design intern, so he's sketching something totally unrelated. But it really, really looked like that uh, <laughs> scene from As Good As It Gets. <laughs> didn't you just? Didn't you say I just have to draw you? Yes. <laughs> You're what made cavemen paint on walls. <laughs> oh Stuff right there. I just have to draw you. Let me get my sketch pad. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, then there's some really heavy ones that I don't think we have time to get into because they're too significant. We have uh, Matt M. asked, you know, my question pertains to Relevant Media Group as being a group of Christian individuals who work together but might not have the same across-the-board beliefs. How often do the personal beliefs of coworkers come up in office conversations? How often do the nuances of the writer's and editor's personal faith come through in your publications? Uh, you know, and how do you handle that? Uh, wh- what have non-Christians, if any, who might work for Relevant felt about working for your Christian publication? That's pretty heavy. Yes. It's a good, it's a good question, though. Yeah, it is a great question. Too bad I, I didn't see it till the end, and we ran out of <laughs> well, time. Well, I was going to say, I mean, because I saw that one, too, and I don't, I mean, at least in my short time here, I don't think we've had any. Like, even if we don't agree on small things, it seems like everyone's pretty big picture. Yeah, I, I would say that... Uh, there's different political viewpoints, but uh, we don't have uh, differences that get heated. Right. I would say everybody's respectful. I would say that everybody knows that I'm myself pretty conservative mm-hmm. slash uh, open-minded, and I'm okay wrestling with difficult questions. And so I think that kind of mindset everybody clicks in with, where it's like, it's cool to talk about stuff that we may di- vary on, but at the end of the day, we're not going to be reckless in our magazine. Right. You know, right. we're yeah. going gonna... to... And, and, and everyone kind of subscribes to a t- traditional orthodox view of, you know, the, the, the foundations of Christianity, yeah, but right. when it applies culturally and, and in practice, I think, uh, I, I, I mean, at least from, from you know, everyone, all my experience with everyone, it's been... Uh, you know, it's been cool to have that diversity because I feel like when we try to represent it editorially or, or, or in different ways, you know, it's it's uh, that diversity has been uh, an asset. Right. Well, yeah, that's true. That's one way it'll come up is that we'll have Rick Warren writing one day and we'll have Richard Stearns or Ron Sizek or somebody, you know, Rich Sizek or somebody mm-hmm. writing another day. I mean, we'll have, we're okay wrestling with stuff that challenges us. And in fact, to the point that sometimes... At the, we have an issue all the way put together, and I'll look at it and I'll be like, man, this is challenging. But if you were to look at it with fresh eyes, you would think that we were actually quite left leaning. Mm-hmm. But it's because we're publishing some of these other voices to challenge ourselves. Right. To, did we consider alternate viewpoints or have we looked at these issues from every angle? When we're actually, our viewpoint, my personal one, may be more conservative, I'm, I'm fine publishing people who I disagree with because I want to make sure that I'm not closed-minded. Right. And, but anyway, then we have to catch ourselves that what we're publishing isn't on one side and we're on the other mm-hmm. because then it makes it look like we're on that other side. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like we have to, it is a balancing act. Yeah. And I think that that tension health in a healthy way plays mm-hmm. up in our editorial meetings. Well, and I was going to say too, I mean, I feel like, you know, on the staff, we might vote for different people or go to different denominations of churches or different types of churches, but like... Or back out of praying at different conventions. Right. Or back out <laughs> of praying at different conventions. But I feel like, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like <clears throat> everyone has the same goal in mind, and that's to publish really good content that honors Jesus in some way. I can't and, tell you how many times at the at an editorial meeting, 
if we're wrestling with an issue and there's a lot of gray area, mm-hmm. I've said, guys, in the light of eternity, I just don't want to be wrong. Right. I don't want to come back. You know what I mean? I'm fine asking questions, but I don't know that we are wise enough or we have the full truth to the point that I'm comfortable saying, thus saith the Lord on this right. this viewpoint or whatever. So that, you know. that's actually why we yanked that issue. Why don't we all give Buddhism a try? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was it was on its way to the printer, and uh, we decided to just pull the plug. It's also yeah, why Rich, we, we had Richard Gear for the cover and everything. <laughs> it's also why we've never published Tom Waits. I just don't want to be wrong about him. <laughs> oh wanna, my god! In the light of eternity, you're already wrong about him by not putting him on the cover. Is he or isn't he the musical messiah? Discuss. In the light of eternity, I don't want to be wrong and say that this is good music. Oh. <laughs> uh, there are some things, Cameron, that are absolute truth. That, uh, <laughs> there are foundational things that you know nothing should be able to shake. And one of those things is that Tom Waits is the greatest artist who has ever lived. I feel like... I feel like Adam is so sure about this, I feel like he would add this to the historic creeds if he could. Yeah. I, when I say the Apostles' Creed, I put in a part about Tom Waits. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe how offended I am by that. <laughs> uh, other questions Regina asked about politics in the church. Uh, bit, uh, let's see. Uh, David Herman asked about swearing and music. Uh, Josh hey, H. Where was the thing about swearing? David Herman says, what's your stance on swearing in music? As a Christian, should we be listening to this even though, or even though we don't swear in our own lives? I, I would say this. <laughs> I would say this, David Herman. Uh, go to That's our website. some assumptions. Yeah. <laughs> go to our website and read the article on swearing. It would speak to you. It is good. So uh, what would he search for? Uh, what would be a term that would come up? Um, I can think of a couple. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think there's, I think there's seven. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no. the, t- the title of the story is "Shut Your." Oh, it's watch, a, watch. Uh, your. Yeah, the, it was watch your and a bunch of symbols and yeah. then mouth. Watch yeah. your. Bloop, so mouth. if he searches for watch your, or mouth, or mouth, watch your mouth. So yeah. go to relevant. You can search for watch your mouth, and um, that'll probably answer a lot of your questions. Yeah. All right. Okay. So that'll do it for uh, last week's question of the week. Here's this week's question of the week. Editorial question of the week. This one's also a little bit different. This one's challenging. Um, we uh, we have when Don came in, he he gave us ten copies of his new book and signed them. And we thought, hey, let's give them away. And what better way to give them away than give them away to to make people work for him and give them away during the question of the week? So Don's book is about story. So we thought we should have you write stories for this week's question of the week. But since, you know, that's too long, we thought you should have to write a story in Twitter format, 140 characters or less. Hmm. So if you go over to the podcast episode page and in the comments, the question of the week is write a story in 140 characters or less. Then next week on the podcast, we'll read our 10 favorite and send the 10, you know, the 10 that we select, I got a signed copy of Don Miller's new book. Um, if you need examples, like one would be this. Years later, sitting alone in his mansion with no one to hold him, it finally hit him, quote, this is what she meant. Whoa. This is this very Hemingway-esque. What, what, what was it? He responded to the five-word story. What was it? Uh, used for baby shoes. For sale, baby clothes, never used. Oh. Oh. That's oh. Ernest Hemingway in five. Yeah. This is, this is a good question of the week. Yeah. 
So yeah. our 10 favorite, we'll read them here on the podcast next week. Uh, and, and, and we will give away 10 signed copies of Don's book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. We should say one thing. If you're registering as a guest, make sure you use your correct email address so we can get in touch with you if, you like, if we like your entry. Well, and you can listen to the podcast next week, and if we read yours, con- right. you can contact us right. or something. Yeah. But yeah, um, so there's that. So go check that out at relevantmagazine.com. So uh, it's no shave November. We have uh, update both photo update on the po- podcast page, but also to uh, your your suggestions, listeners. Mm-hmm. We have updated relevantgentlemensociety.com. It's true with no shave November updates. So you can check that out. Um, who who's, whose beards are doing best, do you think? I think, actually, Chad's is the best. Chad's is like a silverback gorilla. Yeah. He's got some gray He's going got some on. gray. He I looks like very it. distinguished. Very distinguished. Yeah. I'm intimidated by him. Yeah. Yours is patchy. Yeah. Mine's patchy and itchy. <laughs> hey, those are your kids' names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adam, how's your mustache doing? Oh, it is glorious, <laughs> let me tell you. I've got... You know, at first I just kind of buzzed the little bit on the the chin. Mm-hmm. So after a few days, it really looked like one continuous beard. So I went the whole the whole way, and I I razor shaved. Nice. You know the the bit around the chin. So it is a clearly defined stash into chops combo. <laughs> the classic Colonel Mustard. Okay, and and lastly, before we wrap it up, I wanted to mention. You know, I've I've mentioned here on the podcast the the thing we're doing with the one campaign, mm-hmm. and right now we are trying to get thirty five thousand signatures of of our from our audience to join with one to lend your voice. They're fighting poverty, disease, and hunger. It's they're they're advocating and holding our governments accountable. They're 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 funneling resources to to the issues, and it's a big part of the of the. Um, the equation really. And so all they want from us is our voice. They don't want our money. They don't want anything else. And so uh, I just want to send a reminder to go to relevantmagazine.com slash add your voice. And all you have to do is just sign up, put your email address in there and, and, and you are now signed up with the one campaign. Uh, you can, when you're there, you can Facebook share it or tweet it and help us get word out. We're trying to get 35,000. I don't know the number update of where we're at this exact moment, but I know we're still in the teens. We got a ways mm-hmm. to go. And our goal is to get there by the end of the year. So please do that. You also can, um, if you've got a group, like a college group or something like that, and you're interested in, in, in helping us uh, uh, get word out to your group, email Sarah Beth, and she can uh, send you free magazines and information about one and about uh, what we're doing with them so you can share it with your group. It's Sarah Beth at relevantmediagroup.com. Sarah is with an H. So Sarah Beth at relevantmediagroup.com. So go do that. It's a good thing. I guess on that note, we'll wrap it up. Remember to go check out the podcast episode page to download and hear the uh, third song that Sleeping At Last did with us. Remember, you can check them out at sleepingatlast.com. They're touring now. Get more information there. Thanks to them for coming through. Also, with Don Miller, tune in next week for part two of Josh Loveless's interview with Don Miller. And remember to win a free signed copy of his new book. Answer this week's question of the week at relevantmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Ryan Ham. I'm Adam Smith. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week. Take back the instant when you brushed him off your shirt. You try to drag him to the trash. You try to trade him in for cash. Take back the instant when you blew him off your path. With a kiss reading 20 below zero. Tomorrow is a no-go, a no-go.
I say the Apostles' Creed, I put in a part about Tom Waits. <laughs> <laughs>